1983. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Apps. This is the way. And with me as always. Trapped inside a picture crossword, David McCartney, Fanboy Master. Wondering what it's like to be two dimensional, uh, Michael Baker, Gaijin Minokatari. <laughs> mm. Got peaks and valleys, but not much texture to it. I'm surprised at the peaks and the valleys for 2D. Yeah, you've seen it. You've seen a map. Yeah. Uh, so, how's everyone? What have we been playing? It's Mandalorian <laughs> Eve. That doesn't feel like a state-recognized holiday. Uh, and yet it should be. I don't care who recognizes it. It's a damn holiday. I refuse to recognize it. <laughs> God your, damn. your application for time off is denied. Uh, unfortunately, the only... Uh, Star Wars game where you play as a Mandalorian is awful, so I Yeah, let me tell you about how <laughs> Let me <laughs> tell you about how playing that video game uh, for those unaware, Star Wars Bounty Hunter on your PlayStation 2 and GameCube, playing that helped me like understand oh, games can just have bad level design that's hard to navigate it's not a fault of me as incapable of navigating them, it's just bad Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it really is the game's fault. Sometimes. Yes, yes it is. That game especially. That game's just awful. They, they really went... on PS4. Yeah, for some reason, one of the 50 PS2 games you can play on your PS4 and soon to be PS5 uh, really doesn't deserve to be on that list, but, I mean, a lot of things on that list are baffling, so... Uh, I believe approximately 1 in 10 of those things on that list are collections of old Neo Geo games. Sounds about right. How do you feel about multiple layers of emulation? Not good. (laughs) Have I got a game for you? Not Not good. Dig your own grave and save. <laughs> Thanks, Troy. Listen. Uh, yeah, so evidently not Star Wars. What have you been playing? Uh, I have been playing the Pokemans. Lots Pocket of Pokemans. Uh, because the new expansion is out. Uh, Crown Tundra, which includes... More like the Clown Blundra. Sorry. Stop. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) I ruined it. It's worse than the jokes I make. (laughs) It's even better because I didn't intend to say say clown. I meant to say crown and just screwed up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, uh, r- right when you start the expansion, someone just casually hands you a Master Ball, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that's a weird thing to have happen. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, you, you know, you might need this thing. And, of course, naturally I wasted it, but, you know. Of course. How? Well, one of the f- first questions you can do is to catch the new variants of uh, Articuno, Moltres, and Zapdos. And yeah, I know. I just used it on the Articuno, Articuno straight up. Even hmm. though they are not that hard to catch, just chucking Ultra Balls at them, so. That's, Whatever. Well, 
I can kind of see how you did that, so I won't ostracize you too harshly. Uh, but yeah, so they're, the new ones are different types. So like the Articuno is psychic, Zapdos is fighting, and, but they have moves that mirror... A fighting bird? A fighting bird. I assume it's also flying. I think they are all also flying, yes, even though the Articuno doesn't actually fly. Huh. Like runs around. Like, really? Yeah. Meep, meep. Uh, what was I going to say? But um, yeah, so each of them has a move that's like named after and has an animation similar to the original type of them. Like uh, Articuno has a move called Freezing Glare that's mm. a psychic move, but it has like an ice type animation. And same for the other two. Uh, but it's pretty funny when you go to return them to the guy that's like task tasking you with tracking down legendaries and stuff. He like mentions that, oh, you know, like this Maltris doesn't look like the fiery bird of legend, but whatever. What have you done? <laughs> but yeah, so far it's it's been really really good. A lot better than the first expansion. Mm -hmm. And it's got like a cool new uh, mode. You, uh, what the heck is it called? Something Ultra Raid, where you go through like a little dungeon thing and pick up Pokemon as you go along. You can't use your own, and then eventually fight off against a legendary Pokemon that you can catch. So, and they can also be shiny, so you can do some shiny hunting there if you're crazy. And you shouldn't do that because yes. it'll hurt you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my brother was telling me about this, and he's like, oh, you know, you get this, this is your chance if you get have a shiny charm. I'm like, how do, you, how do you get that? He's like, oh, you just have to fill out the Pokedex. It's like, you know, yeah. normal person things. Yeah, no. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's really fun, um, considering they've added, like, all the legendaries from the past games, which I don't think are all available in that mode. Hmm. Um, uh, but most of them are so... legendary mythical free for all. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. You can obviously do it as much as you want, catch lots of legendaries. It's multiplayer too, so you can do it with other players. And I mean, it it can be get quite hard because you're not using your own Pokemon. You have to take a rental one, and then you can switch to different ones that you catch along the way. Take me to the Safari Zone. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. And the new wild zone is huge and quite cool, uh, with lots of different Pokemon you can catch there. And it's it just seems like a the it it's really like this super cool end game type uh, expansion I was hoping for in the first one, although I shouldn't have hoped for it because, since there was another one coming. But, but yeah, it, it's what I was looking for, and it's really really. Cool. I was fooled. Don't be me. Yeah, and I can finally use all the cool legendaries from Slender Moon, so I'm happy. Yeah. It's really good. Highly recommended. Yeah. It got me the wheel to, seal of approval. It got me to stop playing Hades for a while, so that's quite Miraculous. impressive. Yeah. <laughs> impressive in and of itself. <laughs> so that's good to hear from you, Wheels. What about you, Gajan? Well, I am nearing the end of Batbarian, I think. Maybe. 
technically we still have two villains on the lamb. I have no idea where they are. I'll probably be seeing them next. It's um, it's been interesting. Um, definitely much heavier on the platforming than um, like Bloodstained was. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, for a genre that's basically jumping around and hitting things, this is inter- Yeah. So some of the side rooms are um, challenging. <laughs> there was one where. Say normally you have to throw rocks to hit switches and do stuff. Yeah. So this time around, the switch was out of your actual line of, uh, out of your line of sight, mm-hmm. properly, and there was a swinging metal ball, that was sometimes in your line of sight. Hmm. And you had to ricochet a rock off the ball and hit the switch. Which I managed to do on the twenty-fifth try. <laughs> Were you were you keeping track of this, or was the game doing it? <laughs> I had twenty five rocks maximum, and I used them all. Hit it on the okay. last. Okay, oh, that'll do it. Yeah. So yes, it was exactly twenty five. And more recently, I was having some issues with this one, um, this one room where you had to activate a activate a switch that was on a timer, hit another switch that was on a different timer. And then do some very quick jumps on a third layer level down to get around some spikes before they came back. And also before the platform in the middle disappeared. Hmm. And after not succeeding in this like eight or nine or ten or I'm not sure how many times, I took my frustrations to Twitter with um, the game's um, developer tagged in the tweet. And his response was like, Oh, that room. I'm like, okay, it's nice to know that this frustration is warranted, but really, dudes, really. Please, I beg of you, have mercy. And then about five five tries later, it was like, okay, I managed to get the timing right, ran as fast as I could, and Leroy Jenkins! Oh, how did I survive this? (laughs) An excellent Uh, question. One for the ages. Yes. And... um, Reporting back on that on Twitter, the developer's like, yeah, the Leroy Jenkins was about the right strategy. <laughs> <laughs> That's satisfaction. Yeah. So, you're legally a Batbarian now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Conan the Batbarian. That's not even a joke because the main character is so definitely Conan. It's hard to make a barbarian that isn't at least a little Conan, but it sounds like they leaned into it. I mean, it's the intelligent, good communicator, absolutely despises magic. And I feel like any, any just punch an ogre in the face. Any barbarian that counts as intelligent is probably a Conan reference. Yeah. It's amazing how dumb they made them af- made barbarians afterwards. Yeah, probably as a direct contrast initially, and then it just became the dominant way to describe a barbarian. Yeah. No, probably also the fact that intelligence was a dump stat for barbarians in the early. Yeah, D and D probably didn't help. <laughs> I mean, D and D probably didn't help. Is like, uh, I guess like we can assume it as an axiom at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's axiomatic. 
It's like every, every time I see an argument online about, oh, wyverns aren't dragons, for example. I've seen that too many oh, times. I'm like, yep, D&D &D not help here. <laughs> like, there are some uh, people out there who will get very, very upset if you mention... Oh, actually, they're very, very upset that A Song of Ice and Fire's dragons didn't have four legs and wings. Really? Oh, uh, I'm just remembering like once seeing a debate about what counted as a worm and what counted as a dragon. And these people are these people do not realize that they are splitting hairs because nobody ever bothered to differentiate that much between them <laughs> when the yeah. words were made. Just I mean. This is right up there with the people who argue that strawberries aren't berries because berry is a very specific subsection of the plant family. When the word berry predates the classification system. Yeah. A berry was a thing that grew off of a plant that you weren't going to call an apple. Yes, it was small, sweet, and juicy. That was the three main items. If it was, if it was small, hard, then it was a nut. So. Makes sense. So you'll, also, of course, also find people arguing that how, about how peanuts aren't actually nuts. Okay, well, pedantry has its limits in terms of being entertaining, so I'm going to stop thinking about those people. Yeah. And, I mean, yes, if you're going by true Linnaean classification systems and actual botany, sure, yes, you can say that. But by etymology, who really cares? Not berry. Yeah. Okay, now I'm just thinking about... I'm going to workshop that idea a bit and see if I can sell it to I mean, some like low-quality nut company. I mean, yeah, tomatoes and bananas are both berries, but strawberries aren't. <laughs> Let's not think about that. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> now, this is what happens when you take common terms in a language and attempt to classify them scientifically to a very precise degree and then realize that half the items originally covered in language by this word do not match your classification in science. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> okay, well, that's, that's killing me, so. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, anything else other than Barbarian? Um, no, that's the main thing I've been playing lately. That's fair. Yep. Do you wanna... It's got some really fun boss fights. Mm -hmm. So, in comparison to, like, the last two Metrovanias I played, where it was mostly just um, jump around and try to hit stuff really fast. These fights, these fights get interesting. Unnecessarily interesting sometimes, but interesting. Um, the current boss... Uh, has a pole arm that will reach halfway across the screen. He's got whirling blades that go that are traveling around. He's currently on a level below me, and he's reaching up with his pole arm to hit switches in the ceiling to cause molten lava to flow down. Oh, fun! Yeah. Oh, I know I'm going to die in a bit on this guy. Um, and I have to be flinging stones into gears to get them to stop for a moment and. And drop him down into the lava below for some more damage. Yeah. 
That's the current boss. Um, the previous boss, I had to, um, whenever he roared at me, I had to throw a stone and get him to choke for a moment so I he'd get down long, low enough for me to whack him in the face. Huh. Yeah. And uh, other than that, he was completely invulnerable. Fun. Um, before that, there was a ghost who uh, didn't really realize he was a ghost and just thought it was funny to wear dead people. Um, so I had to destroy whatever his current outfit was and then keep the lights on him for damage until he went and got another one. And then the entire room started acting up and trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, th these are some fun bosses and requires the throwing mechanic a lot more than you would expect. Okay. Um, anything else? Or uh, do we wanna? Oh, I just muted myself. I was not thinking. I thought I was unmuting myself. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Are there any? Uh, let's see. There was that Nintendo Partner Direct Mini. Is there anything we want to touch on from that? Mm. Uh, um, I saw recently it? that. I saw recently that somebody's releasing a new Game Boy game. Like, uh, yeah. physically. Yeah, companies do that occasionally. It's weird. I can't remember what this one was. Dragonborn. Huh. It's like 47 pound for the physical cartridge. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds that's way more than any generic. Game Boy game would have ever been. But, I mean, that's what you do when you're doing boutique print runs. I don't know. I mean, how much was a game, a main Game Boy game, back in the day? Uh, not more than thirty bucks. Forty-seven pounds is way more than that. Uh, well, how much was it in Britain? Because the prices can be quite different. I would believe as much as thirty pounds, but I wouldn't believe that they were ever mm. that high. Well. Okay, so shall we pull out the long-ass Q&A list? Sure. Let's see, let's see here. Number three. People have already complained about Final Fantasy XVI going with the generic high fantasy look and compared it unfavorably with Final Fantasy VII Remake. But then most of these people only remember the industrial aesthetic of Midgar. It makes me wonder why haven't more JRPGs copied Final Fantasy VII and done something with that kind of Fritz Lang met Metropolis aesthetic. Uh, I mean, probably because it would be seen as pulling direct more directly from FF7 than they would necessarily want favors for at the time. And nowadays, it's less common. It's not as big in people's minds, so they don't really pull back up. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, FF7 is also pulling from a language of uh, Japanese, like anime cyberpunk material that was kind of in vogue at the time. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at late mid to late '90s manga, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was it was in vogue at the time. It was not common in JRPGs, which is kind of why FF7 gets to keep that turf to itself. But certainly, anime and manga had plenty of cyberpunk influences. They were kind of on the wane at that point, but 
they were still definitely there. They kind of, uh, I guess that kind of anime sort of turned into post-apocalyptic uh, technological anime at some point, but yeah, you see a lot of that, and you see some of that in JRPGs too. Oh, definitely a lot of that. Probably a lot more than you do of uh, cyberpunk, if we're being honest. But... Yeah. Though I, I liked um, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Area on the Discord yeah. was starting. Um, he was just starting up different Megaton games. Yeah. And he started up Soul Hackers. He was like, "Wow, this is so incredibly '90s cyberpunk." I'm like, "Yes, that there's a reason for this." Yes. That is. It, that it, is it only what gets it was. More gloriously '90s cyberpunk as you go on. <sighs> Yeah, I don't think it's possible to imitate what Soul Hackers is doing just by virtue of the fact that, like, you you would be too self-conscious about what you were doing, whereas Soul Hackers was just this wild-eyed, very, could only have been produced when it was produced. Like, I love Soul Hackers, like, weird, like, idea of the internet, which is just ridiculous. Like, ah, finally, the internet can reproduce the experience I have outside. Mm -hmm. But oh, more virtual. No. Oh, but that's not exactly what they were doing, was it? Yeah. Well, shall we go into spoiler territory for a moment? Because I really liked how they actually conceptualized this. Go ahead, go ahead. So, like, the virtual reality in Soul Hackers was not actually inside a computer. Yep. Nope, nope, nope. Um, the specialized chips that they used for the VR interface were actually, like, miniaturized psychopomps. Do you know psychopomp? Uh, not off the top of my head. It's a spirit um, that guides the souls of the dead to the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So, instead of a VR machine, it was, a, it was an astral projection machine. And they were literally pulling people into hell. Oh, fun. And, te and telling it was virtual reality. What could be more virtual than hell? Yeah. I, I, I thought that was, was, you know what? That actually makes a little more sense than the virtual reality programming that they presented at first. <laughs> so. But yeah. It, it was, I mean, yes, it was a product of its time and it was gloriously so. So. Yeah. Fun, fun. But yeah, it's, it's still definitely, uh, it's, it's hard to pull uh, to accurately recall uh, in terms of if you're trying to homage this aesthetic, uh, the degree to which people were hungry for the concept of virtual reality without anything resembling the technology to do it. <laughs> which is where, like, which is what, how I'm going to end with the beautiful take that uh soul hackers and the virtual boy are symptoms of the same disease yeah uh, yeah uh oh fire miner did ask a couple of new questions which might be worth uh going oh, over really? yeah Okay, uh, that section was bare last time I checked but it was a while yeah, back it just it just showed up uh, seemingly earlier today maybe well, I mean, no, wait, no, this is way earlier. For some reason, it didn't show up last time I checked. This was from the 23rd. Uh, oh. 
so yeah i always like it when you guys talk about video game tech where can i read more about the whole modern 2d games or just like i'm not quite sure if this is an actual question or if it's rhetorical no there's there's some questions here uh but yeah uh there's there's places you can go looking for that that are probably better suited that i would first recommend looking up uh information about shovel knight that'll tell you uh, is there such a thing as the ultimate 2D machine, or is the Neo Geo the closest thing we got? It's called the Saturn. Uh, like, that's kind of the last piece of home hardware that was designed to be powerful and was designed to just move bitmaps around. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything like video game engine preservation in both North America, in both America and Japan? Uh, America, yeah, plenty. Uh, I mean, there are still people modifying the Infinity Engine at this stage, and like a lot of really old engines in North American games are open source on some level, so like especially anything that was made by id before a certain point is all, like those are very impressive old engines that are very uh, that are very well documented at this stage uh and kind of were at the time when, when they were open source. You got all of uh, things like John Carmack's uh, comments about what the what each piece of, let's say, the Doom engine was actually doing. But uh, as for Japan, no, absolutely not. Most of that, most of that stuff doesn't even exist there. Mm-hmm. Like, infamously, most Japanese companies sort of threw out their old source code, so... Understanding the engine involves hideous, slow decompiling and trying to sort out what things are doing based on how memory is being changed. So, yeah. Or so. you get a virtuoso in who manages to reverse engineer your entire battle system for a completely different platform. Yeah, but that's that's still someone doing all the hard work. They're just really good yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then, of course... Then, of course, you get the hideous stories of, like, I think it was for Secret of Mana, where it was just, like, uh, the game, uh, Nasir Gabelli was basically just, like, uh, telling telling them what lines of assembly to put in over the phone. Oh, dear. Like, that man's a savant, but, oh, man, that is not good. But yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of companies like Square and Konami don't have archives that predate the PS2 and are missing source code for PS2 games. So basically, everything before that's just gone. Mm. But, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of all you got for uh, engine preservation. Uh, companies are really really loathe to release this kind of thing, even if they have it. Like, uh, Nintendo obviously has one of the most extensive archives of any company. They have source code for games that they didn't even make. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is infamously how Square was able to get source code back for Second Densetsu 3 for the uh, Trials of Mana portion of the Collection of Mana release but uh, other than that the only company I know of that seems to have made an extensive effort to keep an archive of its old code is Capcom who 
were able to pull out N64 era uh, builds of Resident Evil Zero when that game was re-released in 2015. But otherwise, like a lot of that stuff's gone, it's like super gone. Uh, you and that's why you'll get like some of these really infamous remasters, like the Silent Hill HD collections. Uh, one of it, one of its many issues is just that it was a collection built from a non-final build, and they had to just sort of guess at how they were supposed, how certain things worked at worked differently in the final version. Hmm. Get that with a lot of those uh, remasters. Uh, infamously, uh, again with rema- relating to remasters, Kingdom Hearts One had to be rebuilt from scratch, essentially, in terms of how its actual code functioned. Which is why, if you actually play any of the HD versions of Kingdom Hearts One, they don't like the camera doesn't work anything like the way that it did on the PS2 for the better. But at the same time, it's it's a very different camera system and it's like well they're rebuilding it from scratch anyway they might as well fix it <laughs> so yeah that's that's the technology corner okay so, so anything uh, else in there uh no that was that was basically all we got for new questions there's other people responding to that idea mm-hmm. uh Talking about uh, flat 3D, uh, flat 2D, flat 3D as a stand for 2D, and the slight difference between that and what people call 2.5D. That's not necessarily useful here, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, got any questions you want to pull up? Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, go back to the list here. What else have we got here? Let's see. Also, watching Final Fantasy 16 trailer, I suddenly have nostalgia for Final Fantasy 4. I wonder if this is normal. Hmm. Let's see, Final Fantasy... Repeat that? Sorry, I, my head's in the clouds. <laughs> also, watching Final Fantasy 16's trailer, I suddenly have nostalgia for Final Fantasy 4. I wonder if this is normal. I mean, I get nostalgic for FF4 about once every week, but the FF16 trailer isn't what did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Final Fantasy IV is just one of those games that it's, like, the class type of the genre, practically. Yeah, yeah. definitely, I mean, like, Final I mean, Fantasy if, loves to reference that one. Yeah, I mean, if you made Final Fantasy IV today, you would be you would be accused of just random, generic, um, uncreative thought, because it's the thing that everyone else has copied off of. It'd be a Kemco release. <laughs> It would. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'd be yeah. the game equivalent of somebody rewrite of basically try, somebody trying to publish Lord of the Rings without, with the names changed. Yeah, like looking looking at FF4, it's kind of the point where at least the quote-unquote, well, like it's, it's where the perception of what the archetypal Final Fantasy is sort of solidifies, at least in the West. Like, you've got the... uh, This is not complex by modern standards, but the, at the time, relatively complex hero and, like, party machinations. You've got this, like... 
a lot of things that just sort of become tropes that the series goes back to over and over, like the child summoner, uh, and just like, I, I mean, Sakaguchi himself really seems to like going back to these, because you get things like, uh, you get Eiko in 9, but you also get like, there's a reference, there's a century Palamon form are basically in Lost Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's just yes, like, oh, well, okay then. There's a lot of FF4 references in Lost Odyssey. I get the sense that it was it is one that Sakaguchi himself looks back on very fondly. Yeah. But you know, the, I mean, there have been random games I've played from the DS and other systems where I thought, you know what, whoever made this really liked Final Fantasy IV. Yeah, yeah, and they they did that a lot. Um, but I, I feel like that's also a way that Final Fantasy's hearkening back to uh, the. Uh, medieval aesthetic tend to like to sort of show their bona fides about like, no, we're really going for the medieval aesthetic this time. Here's the child mage. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. um, They did actually just release a bunch of new info about 16 on the website. Fans were angry, as they tend to be. No. Okay. Okay, Will, it's your turn. Pick a question. Uh, I don't have the list in front of me. Wait. Pick a random one. Okay, random, random. Here we go. Um, do you think that creating an entirely new studio to manage a single IP like Microsoft did with Halo Gears and Age of Empires is a good idea? Or is... I, I have this idea flying in my heart that when so much of a developer's identity is wrapped around a specific franchise, it can hamper your creativity and make it easier for talented people to walk out instead of sticking with the company. I mean, you should see some of the turnover at 343 Industries for that. Yeah. But it also sort of calcifies the franchise on some level. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do anything too nuts with it. You your literal job is to make something that feels like the latest installment, and that's very creatively stifling in its way. Yep. I mean, look at some of the history of some of the Dragon Quest games, like they, um, Level 5 wanted to do, a, or which, who was it who did 9? Was it Level 5? It was Level 5 still. Yeah, the, they originally pitched an idea for an action RPG ver- version. I think there was a trailer put out for that, or at least screenshots. Yeah, it was like conceptual at least, and they got bombed to hell and back by the fandom. Yeah, people were not happy at that version. Yeah. And then some of them retained the anger for the fairy. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've still got a lot of things to work through, and I don't have therapy to work, help me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things like, I, I would imagine that the turnover at that kind of place is pretty high because and because unless you believe in that and just want to do that for the rest of your life, you can't delude yourself into thinking your next project's going to be something else. It's just mm-hmm. like, nope, time to do the next one. And like you kind of have to move at, you have to move the series into a different direction by such increments the and given how long game development takes it's like if i want the to reach the point where i'm making say my dream halo game it's going to take eight twelve years at, at best 
like and that's assuming that like at no point does life change or I get turfed out of my job for whatever reason. Like it's like, oh my god. Like you have to be committed to the idea of no, I'm satisfied with this being what I'm making and like I don't know how healthy that is for anyone long term. <laughs> yeah, I mean like it's probably good business sense to be able to say, like, see we've got this development team and that's all they make, but I mean like I think Halo Infinite just lost its second director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, then we get into a discussion of Japanese versus American business practices and organization. That's definitely true, but at the same time, like I would say that those are probably the most stable jobs in the American game industry. And that says a lot about the American game industry. Oh, definitely, but I mean, like I will say, if you're working at 343 Industries, Microsoft is in no hurry to shut you down. You always know what your next project is. You're never in the pitch, 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 oh, oh God, we need a publisher phase. Like, that is as stable a job as I can think of exists in the video game industry, and it's still just going to burn people out. Uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah, I can only imagine what's going to emerge from Halo Infinite. It will probably be a very interesting game just by virtue of how many hands were in the pot at various points, but I have no idea what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see. Yeah, I mean, like, the guy who just stepped down apparently had been with the company for 12 years, which is a crazy amount in the Western AAA industry. Yeah. He'd uh, worked on Halo Reach 4, 5, and Infinite. Uh, apparently, he's still at Microsoft, which is, I guess he just asked to be transferred out of that. <laughs> and or Microsoft was like, this isn't getting finished fast enough. Are you ready to, would you rather just move somewhere else? I don't know. But, yeah, like I, like transferring out after you reach another development snag, I could totally see that happening. It's just like, oh, I can't do this for the rest of my life. And hey, there's a lot of a lot more Microsoft Game Studios to transfer to. Now. Yeah, you could. I mean, if you got if you're at Microsoft, you can basically transfer into just about anything and probably find something that'll use your talents. So. <laughs> Yeah, creative director Tim Longo departed last year. Apparently, a veteran of the older games, uh, Joe Staten, took over the single player a few months ago. So I'd imagine this was probably a role he was transitioning out of for a while. Yeah, so just one of those things like... Business-wise, it makes a ton of sense, but... I can totally see why it would also destroy someone. So, yeah, I just mean because it's an industry that destroys people. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it it chews people up and spits people out. Um, yeah, let's talk about cyberpunk. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Okay, Dave, your turn. Pick a question. Okay. Let's. Oh, I need to open the actual. Doc. Uh, let's see if I can actually find where I say promise that my organization made sense to me approximately two weeks ago and now it no longer does. I will not stand by whatever me from two weeks ago was thinking because I'm sure it was very stupid. 
Uh, oh, God, where did I put this? Uh, I would have put this in here, wouldn't I? Let's pretend I did. Uh, damn it. <laughs> I have no idea where I put this. Let's see. Uh, still damn it. Uh, Would you like me to just post it for you again? Sure, that's reasonable. Uh, Let's see. Oh, let me make sure I've got it saved with the most recent items there. Okay, documents. And there we go, to Discord. Thank you. Okay. Save that. Did I save it in that folder? What was I thinking? Hmm? <laughs> oh, when I saved it again, it was like, oh, you saved last time you downloaded from this place, you saved it here, so it tried okay. to save it in the same place. Okay, never mind, never mind. Uh, oh, well, I've got it up to date. I'm looking... Take a look. Uh, let's hit a nice, easy punching bag. Breath <laughs> what of do fire? you think? No. <laughs> Which number? Number 28. What uh-huh. do you think about gambling, mini games, in video games? Personally, I think it's a chore. Especially Mahjong in games like Yakuza. And having gone into a pachinko har- parlor in Yokohama, I am of the opinion that those machines could literally brain- brainwash you into slack-jawed idiots. Never actually seen a pachinko parlor in real life. I consider that a blessing because I've heard there's a lot of smoke in many of them. But uh, it's gotten less over the years. But I'd yeah. imagine. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know who these necessarily appeal to, but, like... Mahjong seems to be a popular simulation target in Japan, so I mean, I guess I can't complain too much. (laughs) It's not a particularly difficult game to program. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, Mahjong games were of such danger in Japan at one point that the PS1 launched with two different Mahjong games. Yep. Yeah, Mahjong Station, uh, Majin, and what's the other one? Mahjong something Tengoku, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, the big question, or the big answer here being just first that the guys making the games also liked gambling. Yeah, there's a lot of salarymen involved in video game creation. <laughs> yep. And this is this is before we even get into Yuji Hori. Yeah, a man whose love of gambling is well known and explains why uh, the randomization distribution of any given Dragon Quest is much higher than its than its <laughs> approximate Final Fantasy counterpart. Well, that and the lose half your money if you die before. Uh, yeah, die everything's before a gamble. Say. Yep, but yeah, and it's also important <laughs> to note that very rarely are these mini games necessary to progress the game. Yeah, there are definitely games that will be built entirely around Mahjong, but even in Japan, there's often some sort of gimmick. Usually, yeah. usually porn, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the few times I can think of where you really do want to use the, those minigames to progress, it's usually a slot machine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm thinking like Pokemon's Game Corner, where you really do want to get some of the items eventually. Yeah, Pokemon's Game Corner, uh, Dragon Quest, you usually want to. But those games are also usually built around the idea of... uh, Those games are usually also sort of... uh, built around the idea that they don't work with the same odds tables <laughs> as an actual casino. Yeah, they're they're definitely much easier. As for the existence of like seven Pachio Kun games in the early nineties, I can't I can't explain mm-hmm. that one. If you don't know what Pachio Kun is, you can probably guess by the name. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, people, some, some people really like the look, feel, and uh, style of gambling and would rather not lose their shirts on it, so I guess that's the uh, best explanation. Mahjong kind of has to be in Yakuza, just by virtue of the atmosphere that it's projecting. Yeah, I mean, having a game about organized crime and not having illegal games. Yeah. Mm. It would be weird to not have Mahjong. I can totally understand why. I don't think I've ever met someone who... I've met people who go for all of the trophies, but they never seem to really understand Mahjong. They just play it until it kind of works out in their favor. I've never seen a good English explanation for Japanese Mahjong variants. Mm. Uh. Yeah, uh, this kind of thing is just one of those, uh, well, there's certain parts of the target audience that really like it, and as long as you don't make me do it, I'm fine. (laughs) Pokemon did eventually take out the game corners, just because, like, Europe in particular, it was, like, automatically, this can't be sold to anyone under 12, because it has gambling in it. (laughs) It took a very long time. There was uh, the the transition out of it was in like generation in like generation four or five. There was like one where in Japan it was a normal game corner, but it was turned into like a puzzle game in the English versions called mm-hmm. Voltorb Flip. Yeah, I remember that game. Flip was actually kind of fun. I wouldn't have minded if the game corner con- continued if it still had. Uh, if it was just games like that instead. But yeah, I mean, we got right down to it. We're, uh, uh, it just didn't seem much like a casino at that point. Yeah, no, it had basically left behind the idea of being like anything like an actual casino. Whereas like in the first game, it's just, oh no, this is literally just lines of slot machines. <laughs> and now I'm remembering some of the stuff I made up for that one fan Pokemon game I imagine like 15 years ago now. 14 years ago. I told you about this one, right? You told me about this, although I don't think you got into the game corner. It wasn't a game corner, per se. Um, This game had, or I mean, the idea for one of the gimmicks for the game was that instead of just having, um, like, version-specific Pokemon, different gyms in the region had aligned differently um, politically. And so you didn't actually face the same gym leaders all the way through both versions of the game. Mm, So you had four aligned with one side, four aligned with another side, and four more 
that were neutral. <laughs> and so one of the neutral gyms was, um, it was a, a town way up in towards the plateau and the mountains. Mm-hmm. And the gym was actually the Lucky Penny Pokemon Gym and Casino. <laughs> huh. <laughs> and as, as part of the gym's gimmick, um, when you went up against the gym leader, he had a randomized list of Pokemon, one out of a hundred. Huh. And he would pull one of them every time you swapped out one of your Pokemon. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and it could be anything from a level one Bell Sprout to a level one hundred Mew, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, literally every time you switched out Pokemon, um, then he would choose one, and you would have to verify that you really felt lucky with whatever you had were going up with next. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the luck of the draw for you. <laughs> but yeah just lots of fun ideas I had in there and none yeah. of them would or most of them would never actually happen I'm still amazed that the mixed up fossil Pokemon idea actually happened <laughs> that, that thing's a nightmare and I love it Yeah, but yeah I remember you talking I remember talking about this and you being baffled that it had found its way into an actual game Yeah, I think that's what first prompted discussion about it on the podcast Dracovish or something is that the one? I forget what they're called but it's just like oh you put put these fossils in and see what comes out Yeah, Yeah, mine was a little less cringy but it was (laughs) basically it was like a half see through ghost rock dinosaur where it was quite obviously not all quite the same dinosaur Mm-hmm. So I mean, like you had pterosaur wings, you had some velociraptor claws, you had the thagomizer off a of stegosaurus, things like that. Yeah, the ones in Sword and Shield are probably a reference to people not to to early archaeological digs, not realizing that certain pieces were not from the same creatures. <laughs> it, that, that's where mine came from. Yeah, so they just kind of hit it in a different fashion. Yeah. What a great design. I love those things. They're horrible abominations, and I love them. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Let's see. You want to pull up another one? Okay. I got about 10 minutes left here. So I'm about here. Let's see. Oh, let me mark this one as red first. Um, Okay. And. Okay, number 29. Just let's keep going. I know that America can chalk it up to the prevalence of first-person shooters and military worshipping culture, but the Japanese almost never make video games about their military. Um, Is this because of how the Japanese view the JSDF? No, it's more along the lines of the the self-defense force is not presented as a functioning military because a functioning military is technically running counter to the Japanese constitution. Yeah, there's some calls to try to make that not the case, but I don't think they've fully succeeded yet. So, Yeah, um, it was one of the things that people were ve- very unhappy with Prime Minister Abe about. Yeah. So. Uh, I think the closest thing I can think of to a game, like the... 
the closest I can think of to this is like they don't call it the the Earth Defense Force uh, and pattern it after like a Western military in that sense, but it yeah. is still yeah yeah. I mean, uh, you'll see variations on the SDF through a lot of anime and video games. Just the concept yeah. of the self. I mean, it's a national guard basically. Yeah, yeah. It like the the other thing is also probably that. The SDF, has, the JSDF, has traditionally been used as like, whenever, whenever I think of them appearing in fiction, I think of them as oh, the Jobbers in a Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a certain culture of that, like the idea that like you know you you bring those in to show that like that that the incapacity to stop the this new threat is why some other kaiju or superheroes like that sort of thing uses that a lot mm-hmm. show why you need these uh, yeah um, just just I mean there's definitely military otaku in Japan that's an entire thing but I think they usually end up being big into other militaries rather than the JSDF so yeah I mean, it's all about stuff looking cool. It's not about, oh, I really wish I had lots of guns. Yeah. The, oh, Some of them are like that, but a minority. <laughs> and nothing like the American version. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. I'm just remembering uh, truly baffling... Uh, I think Gynax did this OVA Otaku no video, which is full of a very 80s snapshot of otaku culture. Mm. Uh, say what? I'm just uh, um, yeah, snorting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's full of a very uh, 80s snapshot of otaku culture, and there is definitely a military otaku in that. But his entire thing is that like he wants to get like these really detailed models of guns. Yeah, and he just gets like really obsessed with like you know you have to treat these right, you have to make them look as nice as possible. Yeah. Is even even at the depths that most Japanese people would never actually think about think about actually shooting a person. Yeah, guns are guns are scary. If you don't live around them, they're even scarier. I'm still remembering the um, the interview that Boing Boing Net managed to get with the three Yakuza Dons and Yakuza yeah. Three, the game. Yeah, and as part of the as part of the interview, it was they were discussing why Kiryu didn't just shoot somebody and it's like, dude, if you have a gun, you, the police notice you faster. Yeah, like, there is no reason to pull that out. Like, you would, the only people who would be ha- holding a gun in this situation are criminals. They're gonna be just all over you. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's why the 2004 assassination of the mayor of Nagasaki was such a massive deal. Oh, man, that is nuts. Uh <sighs> But yeah, uh, if we want to real quick hit 30 since it's a related question. Mm-hmm. Uh, has the JSDF tried propaganda through video games like they've been doing with mon- popular... I'm going to put big air quotes around popular for manga, anime, and light novels recently. The one I remember seeing was Gate, and it was... I didn't see it, but I like saw some clips of it, and I was like, this looks awful, and by all accounts, no one seemed to like it, so... Oh, I heard so many rants about random things. 
in that show. I did not even bother to check it out. No. Yeah, it's apparently based off of a light novel, but yeah, I, I don't. It is think so it's definitely popular. based off of a light novel, and that with everything that entails. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that this is a particularly popular thing. Like this, this probably happens more, but I don't think that this is like pervasive in the way that like every like to put it another way every call of duty game has a lot of u.s military like it go go look at any trailer for those that they are much closer to actual military propaganda when you look at like a western fps yeah like it's it's all about that and I don't think that there's much in Japanese media that approximates that. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, it's the wrong era for jingoism in Japan. If they had video games back in the 1930s, then I'm oh, sure you'd oh. be saying the exact same thing as Call of Duty. Yeah, that's one of those things, like, I feel like that kind of jingoism might theoretically resonate more with an older generation, but that's not the audience are capturing with a video game why bother <laughs> yeah, yeah so. and in general japan just doesn't really want to go back there yeah no no one with a healthy understanding of what was going on uh last time japan got jingoistic wants to be there again so mm-hmm. yeah so Thankfully, we don't have to see that. Sadly, I will continue to have to see <sighs> the Call of Duty Cold War trailers Ew. again and again. Ew. Please, so, no. uh, yeah, too bad. We have to live with that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, Gaijin's probably running out of time at this point. I got about five minutes before I need to be out the door. Okay. Well, make sure that you don't uh, forget to plug at the very least. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, do we? Do we? Of course. Yes. Plug, plug. So you guys continue on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, plugging it with Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Um, almost, almost to the point where I can put get the next paperback edition up. Nice run into a small stag because the person helping me with the um, adding to, or fixing up the cover properly is currently experiencing a blackout due to blizzard. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Cent- Central U.S. Yay. Oh boy. Yep. Uh, we've just got all the weather events going on right now. Yes. Central U.S. is uh, apparently freezing over, whereas, meanwhile, uh, I have friends down in California who who were given evacuation warnings for fire. So, we're doing great here. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Francis the Pizza Parlor, uh, Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, Michael Yadimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Yep. Uh, so yeah, just just wanted to make sure you got that out before you uh, had to leave. Yeah. Uh, anything else uh, you want to bring up before question or now before you head out? Uh, let's see. Got anything left here that can be answered within three minutes? Um, Fifteen seems fairly quick. 
Uh, do third-party <laughs> companies still make weird accessories for the Switch like they did with the DS and PSP? I actually have a DS TV tuner. I would love to see that if you could post a screenshot. Uh, um, I really don't know. I haven't been paying attention. I have never seen such a thing. I feel like a lot of those peripheral manufacturers have just kind of gone by the wayside to begin with. I mean, I'm trying the, to figure out how they would actually work with the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, there's not really a lot of... Pl- like, I guess you would plug it in through the USB-C. That's the only thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. But it's... I mean, people barely make third-party docks that function, so I wouldn't trust them to make something else that functioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this kind of thing has sort of fallen by the wayside, since it's not... Like, these, these have become locked down and complex enough pieces of machinery that it's actually hard to make things that interface with them mm-hmm. in these weird fashions. So. And there's also just not a lot of demand for, say, a TV tuner at this stage. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to see that, though. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, what would be a good one for the Switch? Uh... I saw, the craziest thing I've seen is something that I've actually seen games support, which was like the flip grip, which is just like a thing that puts the switch into a sort of tate mode, hmm. where it uh, where it's just a giant portrait screen rather than landscape. Hmm. And like there are, there are old arcade games for which that's very good, but you know it's it's a very niche product that doesn't have to do anything electrically; it just has to. Uh, or at least doesn't have to do anything complicated electrically. It just has to be a place that you can slide the switch in. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, I need to get going now. Okay, see you later. Okay. Uh, I will stall until Wheels gets back. <laughs> okay. So, oh, I'm curious to see how you'll be stalling, but unfortunately I shall be going now. Okay. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya. Don't Spanish flee. A record star he thought he'd be. I can't actually do any questions right now. That would be problematic for a number of reasons. Uh, I guess, since this just came out and it means a lot to me. Hey, everyone listening to this. No More Heroes 1 and 2 just came out on Switch and they're both really good. Please play them. I think that they're neat. They're only $20 a pop, and until the 15th of November, which I assume this will be up before, they're available for 10% off, which isn't much on a $20 game, but I mean, it's something. Uh, they're both... They're, they, they seem to be very nice ports. Uh, and Suda51 would make an interesting RPG, but I'm not sure what that would look like. I mean, Grasshopper Manufacturer made Contact, but I don't think Suda himself was terribly involved with Contact, which was a weird, neat game, but not exactly uh, not exactly what people were looking for, I think, at the time, and seems to have uh, performed quite poorly. I do wonder what he could bring to the genre, though. That would be... Uh, let's see who actually did work on that. Oh, it's directed by a man named Akira Ueda. Akira Ueda. What other credits does he have to his name? Oh, 
this this is a man who's from Lovadelic, of course. Thought I recognized that name. Yep, yep, yep. FF4, Secret of Mana, Mario RPG, Moon Remix RPG Adventure, UFO, and then uh, he was the grasshopper for a while. He was on Flower, Sun, and Rain. If you've never played that, that is a weird game. Uh, both of the Shining Soul games, which are probably the least weird games that, uh, that Grasshopper ever made. He was apparently director on both. Kind of, supposedly they're decent Diablo clones. I never played them. I don't play Diablo clones. You all know that by now. Uh, Michigan Report from Hell. Huh. That's a really neat game. If you've never played that, that's, uh, that is a Japan and Europe only horror game where you're playing a cameraman. Uh, and the idea is that you are trying to convince the reporters you're recording to get into situations that will keep the ratings up. And if you're really irresponsible, every stage you can end up just getting your reporter killed. Which, uh, you know, maybe don't do that. That's, that's a little off but i mean i mean you do you and yeah so each stage could have a different reporter because that's not a game over state you just get a new reporter next stage uh very strange game uh as as is tradition for grasshopper manufacture but, uh referenced in the aforesaid no more heroes where the uh the cameraman is reporting for something called Zaka TV, which might be a reference to something older, but nothing that I'm, I'm personally aware of. But uh, Zaka TV logos can't be found in No More Heroes. There's, there's kind of a... If you've never played uh, Suda and Gra- Grasshopper's games, like anything that Suda particularly took a shine to tends to congeal itself into a broader universe. Uh, whether they're making really direct shout like making shout outs to each other or whether a character will just wander into a new game uh, one of my one of my favorite uh auteur developers there's a certain je ne sais quoi that you only get from him and it's it's, it's nice because like you know but there's certain signature calling cards he really likes uh it's stylistically he really likes uh, very uniquely done background designs, uh, really interesting cel-shaded visual styles tend to follow in his wake. I mean, uh, Killer7, No More Heroes, even Flower, Sun, and Rain has like a crazy cartoon visual style. It's really off-putting. Oh, my. Uh, like, really loves him some luchadors, uh, Mexican wrestling. Uh, probably probably Japanese wrestling, but there's a lot of crossover between Japanese and Mexican wrestling if you're not already aware. Uh, loves some luchadors, loves uh, loves Hitman as like a device or character. I mean, Killer7, uh, No More Heroes. Uh, and he was not director on this. He was more of a... He, he was essentially part of the script writing team, but was not director or in charge of this game. But Killer is Dead reflects these as well. So, uh, as is often historic with Grasshopper Manufacture, the 
Western publisher wants to emphasize Suda51 worked on this, regardless of what his actual role was. Because he's the member of Grasshopper Manufacturer, people know. But, yeah, great. Uh, I could go on. Like, I, this, this, this is just going to turn, this stalling is just going to turn into me ranting about uh, Suda51. So here's, here's the crash course I've given a few times. Uh, originally worked in a funeral home. Ended up being called in to do script writing for, I think it was Fire Pro Wrestling 3 Special, something like that. And infamously made a... wrote a script that ends with your character realizing... Uh, oh, uh, minor trigger warning for uh, suicide. But basically, uh, the protagonist of uh, Fire Pro Wrestling special uh, realizes at the end of the video game that he has been using his chase for the championship to escape his crippling depression and commit suicide. It's a very strange game. Uh, Then... Uh, there's the Twilight Syndrome games. He did some work on those. If you've never played them, they're sort of Japanese-style adventure games, as I recall. Uh, if you've played the Danganronpa games, I believe Danganronpa 2 has a uh, has a huge homage to Twilight Syndrome, literally called Twilight Syndrome, because it was originally made by Spike, who became Spike Chunsoft, who developed the uh, Twilight Syndrome games. Uh, I'm back. Hey! I was just giving a brief overview of the career of Suda51. Oh, nice. I'd been at that for a while. I'd just gotten through the weird... Uh, Suicide plotline of Fire Fire Pro Wrestling Special. (laughs) And was now talking about Twilight Syndrome and Moonlight Syndrome, which... I've never heard of either. A series of Japanese-style adventure games. Uh, I think the closest English touchstone people have, as I was just mentioning, was that uh, Danganronpa 2 had an extensive homage to Twilight Syndrome that literally used the name Twilight Syndrome because it was published by the same company. Uh, Spike originally published it and... uh, or at least was involved in it in some fashion. Uh, Or at least, at the very least, owns it now. Uh, But basically, Spike uh, had hold of the Twilight Syndrome rights by that stage. And... uh, so they put an extensive homage to it in Danganronpa 2. Uh, Moonlight Syndrome was like a spin-off that was published by Human Entertainment and developed by them. Human Entertainment were the Fire Pro devs. They have been dead for 20 years. And I think about Moonlight Syndrome a lot because I remember when the Silver Case came out, uh, during the panel Suda did at PAX, he talked about how he would like to re-release Moonlight Syndrome, but that he has no idea who actually owns it at this point. <laughs> Because human entertainment has been dead for 20 years. And someone probably bought the rights to it at some stage, but it's unclear who. So he wouldn't even know how to go about recovering the rights to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. 
and then after that we get into games that Suda made that are slightly more uh, well-known at this stage. Uh, Silver Case got a re-release. It's a very interesting, very strange uh, Japanese-style adventure game. Uh, and then Killer7, which was kind of his big big break in the West, uh, in as much as anything's a big break uh, for Suda, but it had Capcom publishing it, which was a big, a big, uh, a big deal for uh, for a company like Grasshopper Manufacturer. You ever properly played a Suda Fifty One game, Wheels? Uh, a good amount of No More Heroes, the first one. Good. Remember, you playing at least a little bit of it in its original yeah. release. Love that game. I, I freaking love that game. I booted it up last night when the because like I yeah of course I picked it up the second that I saw that it was available <laughs> because No More Heroes is one of my favorite games of that or any generation. But and it's a really nice port. Gorgeous. Uh, has both true to the original Wii version controls and more traditional controls for Philistines who don't appreciate them. Nice. Uh, just, uh, just uh, and it just, it's a game that art direction was always so strong that it still looks great. I mean, Moe. Moe. <laughs> I'll never get over the betrayal that I felt when I played. Oh, <laughs> So one of the things that I was really enjoying uh, remembering was the bit, the running joke at the end of every that happens after every single assassination in No More Heroes 1 where he gets a progressively more angry call from the video game store about uh, uh, not from the video game store, the video rental store. Uh, remember those kids? Yeah, they're gone. Uh <laughs> A progressively more confused and angry call from the video rental store about some porn he's forgotten to return. And then eventually he gets one uh, that's like, okay, you did return something in that case, but it's a video of a man humping a pillow. <laughs> There's just a lot going on there. Wow. It raises so many questions about what Travis Touchdown is doing in his spare time. And none of them should be answered because they would be horrifying. <laughs> uh, I love No More Heroes. Uh, payback make you a noble man, Wheels. Is that a fact? Probably not. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just I had a lot of uh, I, I've got a lot of no more heroes on my brain. That's okay. Uh, sure, I will yeah. soon as well. Yeah. Um, I'm still just really, really excited for no more heroes three. For, for anyone who is... They, they just did a preview of it last uh, in that Nintendo Partner Direct. It looks great. For anyone who has not kept track of this video game, I love that the core... The 
the instigating concept that sets the plot into motion is the idea of what if E.T. came back 20 years later and he was a huge asshole? <laughs> or full opening statement. Also, you sound very tired. We should probably wrap this. We should, but we have to talk about uh, some stupid Stadia nonsense. Again? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, how do you want to broach the subject? Uh, so people, a, mo- a lot of people probably saw that some stupid Stadia person was saying some uh, ridiculous things about Inf- was it influencers or just Twitch streamers in general and that sort of his, thing? His, his bone to pick that he had was that streamers should have to purchase a license to be allowed to stream the game because they're making money off of our content. Hmm. Streaming is ads. I'm not sure if you knew. I knew. Streaming uh... a video game is an advertisement. <laughs> But even if we, like, don't, like, like ju- just taking this as, like, this is why you should let people stream your game as a business. A stream is an ad. It's, like, one of the best ways to raise awareness. Which is why you will often see streamers get sponsored to play a game. Because, as it turns out, it's a good way to get a game in front of eyeballs that might not have otherwise thought about it. <laughs> But even if we ignore that, there's also the long, the as yet untested, and no one wants to put their hand on the stove long enough to find out what'll happen if you do, uh, situation where, at least in America, it's unclear if streaming it would be considered transformative in such a way that it would be considered fair use. We won't go into a long spiel about what fair use is and or means, but in this case, what would be useful here uh, would be that your use of the work needs to be for a different purpose than it had in its original form. And you would probably be able to get away with that if you argued that the thing people were watching on stream was not necessarily the game, but the way that the streamer interacted with it. Therefore, the game was not what they were selling you, and seeing the game was not what they were selling you. You could also make the fair argument that watching a game is not really the same thing as playing it, and that therefore uh, the streamer's version of the game is already transformative by that nature. But I'm not a lawyer, and I should probably stop talking out of my ass. (laughs) Beyond that, we learned uh, this man shooting his mouth off and becoming the main character of Twitter for a day... uh, Led everyone to dig back into his history. Mm. What a history that was. Oh, boy. And this is the reason we always wanted to bring it back up. Yes. Yes. This man. This man was a higher up on a certain video game we've ranted about recently. Mm, which one could that be? Which one did we devote, like, half an hour to just the airing of grievances about? Uh, uh, Assassin's mm. Creed 3 Yes someone, The director Someone directed he the, that <laughs> He was the director of that video game uh, It's just like Oh everything has come 
full circle <laughs> in the stupidest way possible. <laughs> this is the thing that I keep thinking about with Stadia is that Stadia is like some sort of weird argument that video game development is by is like an argument against the existence of meritocracy <laughs> because someone can keep doing things like this and just gets picked up by Stadia and that's their job now. Mm. But uh, the the ultimate irony was that he was talking about how uh, the, how streamers were stealing the creative work of game developers and not paying it back, while his uh, Twitter banner was uncredited fan art that he had stolen and not given any credit for Whoops. or acknowledgement of. Whoopsies. Uh, yeah, he just he just seems like kind of a huge dick. Um, uh, yeah, uh, man. The, the first credit listed on his Wikipedia is lead designer on The Sims 2, which leads me to believe he must have known somebody and gotten a job by, <laughs> gotten a job from that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this feels like he must have known somebody because it's saying like he worked at Tourist Games in Australia. You know the. Developers of a bunch of GBA first-person shooters. Very impressive ones, but... Impressive for their technology rather than their... Like, they were fine first-person shooters, but, like, they were not reinventing the wheel there. <laughs> see. I'm looking... Trying to make sure that I'm thinking of the same, right Taurus Interactive. Yeah, they were the ones that ported Doom 2 to the GBA. Mm-hmm. Which is a very impressive port, no doubt. I mean... That is not supposed to run on that kind of hardware, and the fact that it runs as well as it does. But yeah, a lot of their other stuff is licensed work, which is probably fine. I mean, whatever pays the bills, but you know. But yeah, it says that he worked there for a bit, and then immediately got was able to find his transfer to Maxis and be a lead designer on The Sims 2, which is kind of a big position to just immediately go to. Which is why I'm suspecting he probably had uh, an in with someone. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I'll just keep making fun of Stadia. Uh, Phil Harrison works there now. Ha 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 ha. Remember that guy? Yeah, who did he work for before? Oh, he was at Sony. Oh yeah, okay. He uh, he was the one in charge of the PS3 when it launched. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that explains a lot. Yeah. 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 But yeah, he he'd been out there for a fucking dog's age. Uh, then uh, let's see, he departed. Uh, he resigned from the company in February of two thousand eight. Holy shit, he went on to Infogrames. That's not a good place to be. Right around the time they released Alone in the Dark 08. That would have been an inherited project, but they did not release anything good after that either. Uh, uh, That was also right around the point where he claimed that single-player games would stop existing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, would stop existing, yeah. 
you know, that Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us 2 sure did poorly. Yeah, uh, let's see, he left Atari in 2010, uh, joined the advisory board of Gaikai, oh god. Uh, joined the interactive entertainment team at Microsoft in 2012. Huh, that's a, that's an auspicious time there, isn't it? Oh, what did they launch about a year after that? Oh. Uh, <laughs> he mm. left in 2015. And then in 2018, he, uh, he joined Google. Gross. So yeah, uh, he's been responsible for. He he has been the guy in charge of a number of disastrous video game console launches, and nothing can stop him from getting jobs. <laughs> nothing. Work. No amount of having failed in the past. Oh, uh, work. It's one of those yeah. things. Like it's it's just crazy when you see it because it's just like. You would think that, like, fairly or not, you would think that failing in that capacity once would essentially bar you from ever doing this again. You'd think so. To be on your third go. I mean, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, Fool me eight or more times, shame on me. Uh, it's It's that reference to Nested. Probably. It's a, it's a Futurama joke. Yeah. It was, uh... <laughs> it was just the episode where uh, Dr. Zoidberg has to go back to his home planet. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good one. <laughs> and he keeps, like... Uh, he keeps... Uh, like they they rubber band his claws together so that he won't start snipping at people, and he, Amy keeps removing them. <laughs> and she just says, "Fool me seven, fool me seven times, shame on you. Fool me eight or more times, shame on me." But yeah, the uh, that that stadia. Oh, speaking of weird cloud gaming initiatives, did you see... That was the other weird thing at the Nintendo Direct I want to briefly bring up. Did you see that? No. Oh, the oh, like the Control and... Control and, and Hitman 3. 3. Yeah. Like, this has existed in Japan for a number of years at this stage. Uh, in Japan, you could get uh, a cloud version of Resident Evil 7. And a cloud version of Assassin's Creed Odyssey that you could play on Switch. And I assume they just weren't going to do that in the West. Because it was weird. I guess not. But I guess they just were waiting for the right test games? I don't know. But you can can download a client to play Control on your... Switch via the cloud. Apparently, uh, as cloud gaming goes, it works okay. I haven't tried it yet. I downloaded it, but I have not actually tried it yet. I'm. I might download it just to see how it works. Yeah. I like the the, the client is free, which is the which is smart on their part. Yeah. 
but it's interesting because I could see Nintendo using it as a way to sort of increase the longevity of the Switch for another year or so while they get their Switch two ducks in a row whenever that happens. But we'll see. I don't think I would ever see like a first-party Nintendo title do it, but I could see them trying to incentivize third-party titles doing it at some stage for games that were just nakedly never going to run. Because I remember like flipping through that Partner Direct, and all I could think while I was like, I saw, I, I just, I had just, I was trying to find where No More Heroes was because I saw someone say, "Oh, they announced No More Heroes one and two on Switch," and I was like, "What?" So I was just looking for that. But like, I saw Hitman, and I was like. Is this like a port of Hitman Season 1? I can't imagine Imagine what company had the appetite to try a port that would be that challenging. Yeah. And then I saw Hitman 3. I was like, excuse me? And, and then like I actually saw the... And then I actually saw that it was a cloud thing, and I was like, oh, they're doing that in the West? It was crazy. Yeah... I mean, Control is a useful test case by virtue of the fact that it requires a pretty high-end PC to run. It doesn't run well at all on PS4 or Xbox's no, base version. Not, from what I've heard. I, I have the PS4 version. I'm probably just going to play that on PS5, and maybe it'll run better now. Hopefully that has access to the PS4 Pro's boost mode, but... Yeah, uh... The, so, like, if you wanted to use a test case of a desirable game that typically hasn't run well on anything, <laughs> I mean, that's a reasonable test case. And I would imagine that Hitman 3 is another one where it's like, well, you kind of can't get this on any running well on anything unless you've got a very expensive new console. So this is the kind of thing that, like, this sort of cloud thing actually kind of makes sense on. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that bears out with the technology. I don't trust it. PS Now is still garbage to actually use. Haven't tried xCloud. Apparently that works, but I mean, that's also the full might of Microsoft behind it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's our news potpourri. Yeah. Assassin's Creed 3 still sucks. Still bad. And now we know we're more still about why. I'll still probably pick up Valhalla. I found out today that the voice of Travis Touchdown voiced George Washington in Assassin's Creed 3. What a waste of his time. Now I just really want to put Travis Touchdown lines over George Washington in Assassin's Creed 3. Oh man, that would be awesome. Or or McDonald Miller lines. That's, that would also be good. Oh, man. He, he was uh, McDonald Miller in Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker and 5. And you could get very different kinds of lines out of him in both of those. Mm-hmm. You could pull the uh, Peace Walker one where he's yelling at Snake for not wearing a shirt. Uh, that one's... An incredible, like, he just starts yelling about it, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Or you could take one of the more serious lines from MGS5, where he's screaming about how no higher cause, no greater good, just revenge. <laughs> uh, Robin Atkin Downs is great. Uh, Absolutely. 
And uh, actually, no more heroes in general has just excellent voice acting all around. Uh, oh man. Uh, people process grief differently. <laughs> I will leave discretion on the second half of that quote, but uh, I will say if you're curious, uh, YouTube has a useful video just called The Best Line in No More Heroes 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's us. Uh, I don't think me and Wheels have anything to plug. Uh, anything you want to uh, let's see anything you want to bring up before we close things out no I think that's about it okay Uh, well then I will uh, we will see you next time oh yeah questions go in the question section of the RP Gamer Discord uh, or the podcast section excuse me or they go in the comment section of this very episode. Or a prior one. We'll be checking because these usually go up around the time we record new ones. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, otherwise, see you, Space Cowboy. See ya. Oh! Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? If not a nonsense, be something you wish.